Give us some men who know the truth. And who will declare the truth. And who will stand with Athanasius and Polycarp and Calvin and Luther and Whitfield and Edwards. And who will declare from the housetops that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. I'm serious. There's where we need to start off today because, you know, I almost I almost thought about doing work. I mean, I almost thought about doing work and changing the theme song to a uh, to a montage of like the Beatles. Help. I need someone to help. That would have been super appropriate (laughs) because this is one of those stop the world. I want to get off articles and we're going to make it through this. We're going to make it through together. We can do this. (laughs) We can do it. I say we because I'm over here and Lou is over there. Hey there. And we're here to tell you that. Who you are always matters. It, it always has, and it always will. Now, this is going to be an unusual stage setting, as my tablet will not cooperate. I'm scrolling back and forth between the documents. I want the one in the middle, and I'm, I hit to the left, and it goes all the way to the first one. No. Hit to the right, and it goes all the way to the third one. No. I want, I want the one in the middle. 
Technology. Isn't it fun? I mean, aren't we having such a good time with this? So, all right. Let me see. I'm going to play with the volume a little bit. We might be a little bit warm there. So if nobody can hear us, just turn your phone up. I don't want to hear it. (laughs) It's one of those days. And when you read, when we get to the story, you'll understand why. But first, unless you're driving, turn in your Bibles to Jeremiah 19. If you're driving, don't turn in your Bibles. That would be bad. That would be very, very bad. Okay? Right. So, thus says the Lord. Go and buy a potter's earthenware jar and take some of the elders of the people and some of the senior priests. Now, we are in the midst of Jeremiah. Jeremiah is not, this is not new to him, object lessons. It's not just the prophetic word, but it's a prophetic action. So in case you were sitting there going, you know, I'm not real sure I understood the point of this message. Oh, <laughs> there's visual aids. Okay, now I got you. That, that's Jeremiah's ministry for a lot of it. Yeah, You'll yeah. see that with Ezekiel as well. So yeah, I was just going to say that's, that Eze- they have that in common. Yeah, Ezekiel more so, but but Jeremiah gets this on occasion. He gets the jars. He gets, um, oh, shoot, my brain doesn't want to work. He gets the buying of the belt and having it ruined, so things like that. Yeah, the, the yoke. Yeah, the yoke that he's yeah. carrying around. Yeah, lots of good object lessons there. Yep. Then go out to the valley of Ben-Hinnom which is by the entrance of the potsherd gate, and proclaim there the words that I tell you. So let's just, I'm just going to stop for a second. Not, we haven't covered a ton of ground here, but there's an important step that I want to make sure we don't skip. Okay. Why is Jeremiah speaking? Because the Lord told him to. Because God said to. Yeah. So when Jeremiah talks, this is not goes, hey guys, I got an idea. Here's what I think is going wrong, and here's how I think we should fix it. Right. This is not a sales meeting, you know. He's not sitting there trying to figure out how to pump up the numbers. This is God coming down from on high going, hey, you, go, tell them, and tell them this. Right. And if you're Jeremiah, you don't get to tell them something else. You get to tell them this and only this. Right. All right. Just, I know you know that, but yeah. the Good. world has gotten so insane that I'm not assuming anything yeah, anymore. Yeah, we got to start, start with the beginning <sighs> and, and uh, some fundamentals. So. Here's the words. Say, hear the word of the Lord, O kings of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem. Thus says the Lord of hosts. In case you missed it, he said it twice. God is speaking. The God of Israel, I'm sorry. Behold, I am about to bring a calamity upon this place at which the ears of everyone that hears of it will tingle. That is, that's just never good. No. That's right up there with God coming down to Job and say, hey, put your belt on. We need to talk. Right. Like, no, no, we don't. Put your big boy pants on. Yeah, like when your wife looks at you and goes, we need to talk. We never need to talk about anything I want to talk about. Like, it's never any conversation I want to actually have. Something's broken or it's going to cost me money or I did something dumb is typically when we need to talk. Right. When God says we need to talk. Well, think about the situation. I mean, it seems like things are off the rails. It seems like things are off the rails because wait for it. They Things are. are off the rails. <laughs> right, and so God has to speak to his prophet to get the attention of his people, and it's never good. No. When God's like, come here so I can smack you. Yeah. I don't right. want to. I don't care if you want to. What part of this was a question? Like, I have to do this with my kids on occasion. I'll tell them to do something, and they'll be like, I don't want to do it. I missed the part where I was asking. Right. Did, did, was that a question? No. So I told you to do something. Uh-huh. Okay. So what should you be doing? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's, as, that's pretty much what it is. Too. As it is with God. Okay. <clears throat> now, because they have forsaken me. All right, let's stop and make sure we cover what it means that they have forsaken God. You can re- basically rewind at this point. What are we? Six, late six, early 6th century BC, late 7th century. So somewhere around the turn of the 600th you know, year. 
somewhere in that ballpark. Okay. I'm not going to dive into it any deeper than that. So we're somewhere around that turn there. You can go back to the founding of the monarchy, which would be about 1100 BC. That's 500 years ago. Has Israel really ever been faithful in mass? I mean, in mass, like as the nation. Like, is there a time in that 11 or in that 600 year or 500 years? Right? Is there a time in that 500 year period where you could point to and go, look, there it is. Israel is nailing this. I don't think we can. I don't think so either. Yeah, so, I, I think humanity is just doing what they do the best. Yeah. And, yeah. So let's go back a little further. The 300 years of history of the judges. Mm-hmm. You know, round off, give or take. So 1,100 to 1,400, we're rounding here. Is there a period during the time of the judges where you can point at the judges and say, oh, look, there it is. Israel has nailed it en masse, the nation as a whole, doing above average. And again, I'm not asking for A-plus work here. I'm talking about the majority of the people basically like pulling a C. Well, I I guess that's the whole point of the judges. Um, They would fall into apostasy. God would raise up a judge. They would walk upright for a small period of time, <laughs> and then they would start to slip back into the, and the pagan idolatry. And, and, and if you want to have, if you want to have a fun case study in the in the brokenness of humanity, mm-hmm. don't look at the period of the judges. Just look at the judges. So, to your point, the the judges are that that we the they, that is good. The the book of Judges is good journey theology. The wheel mm-hmm. in the sky just keeps on turning. Okay. That's that's what the book of I Judges is. I thought you were going to go yeah. there, but yeah. Wheel yeah. in the sky. I'm sorry. Oh, man. <laughs> we got the full show today, Everybody's boys. headbanging. Yep. So they're, they're doing somewhat well, falling into apostasy. God brings judgment. They realize they've messed up. They repent and return to God. God raises up a judge, and the judge delivers them, and then, you know, rinse, you know, wash, rinse, repeat. It's like right. your shampoo, basically. Same right, idea. Right. So go look at the judges. You have been raised up in the midst of a somewhat repentant Israel you have been empowered by God you have been granted victory over the people of God's enemies you have air quotes cleansed the land and you are now basically like the dude in Israel right like I mean life is good right to quote the great prophet Mel Brooks it's good to be the king (laughs) yeah very good (laughs) there you go right so all right how many of them finish well do any of them no no not at all like, several of them usher in idolatry. One's such a wuss that he doesn't even get to have victory. Um, some random lady in a tent has to do the dirty work. Um, one sacrifices his daughter. One gets himself killed. I mean, this is a group of dudes where it's like, wow. Not only are you not good at this, you are actively, genuinely awful at this. Yeah. And yet. So, I think for about a 300-year window, we can basically point to that and go, you know... No, not a passing grade here. I think one of the mega themes of, you know, from Joshua to Samuel is the faithfulness of God and and his faithfulness to his covenant promises. Well, that's where I was going to go next. Yeah. Precede the judges, and yeah. you're talking about the rule of Joshua yeah. in the land. Oh, my goodness, people. Like, oh, my goodness. You had one job. Mm-hmm. Like, you have one job. Right. Go to the next city God tells you to go to. Kill everybody because God's going to give you victory. Build your houses, plant your families, and move on. You are literally the locusts here. Like, for once in human history, the locusts are not evil. You are the locust. You go to the city, you destroy everything, you kill everyone, you conquer, and you are secure. That's not complicated. 
Yeah, I think Joshua was a good leader, but the people were still— Yeah, I'm not faulting Joshua. I'm talking about the people during Joshua. Sure. And you've got people like, well, you know, I know we shouldn't keep all this gold because, you know, God's going to provide for us, and he's going to bless us beyond measure like he did with Egypt. But, you know, I know God said to go take that land, but those people fight really hard, and this is going to be complicated. And it, I mean, oh, my goodness. And Joshua, at the end of his life, says what? Mm-hmm. Choose for yourselves this day. Who See, there was Joshua's sure. mistake. He was like, you people sit there and make up your minds what you want. He should have said, sit down, shut up, and do what I say. <laughs> it would have been a good start, yeah. But he was at the end of the he was at the end of the ride there for should, when he said that. I think Joshua's speech should have been, don't make me come back and smack you. Right. I, right. I will turn this afterlife around and come back and set you people straight if I have to. <laughs> that would have been nice, wouldn't it? But yeah. alas. So when we talk about you have forsaken me to go back to Jeremiah 19:4. We're not just talking about the last 20 minutes. Right. We are literally talking about the last 900 years. Yeah, you established a really good track record there. That's That's 3 times longer than the United States has been a country. Okay? Mm-hmm. Process that. That's longer than Europeans have been in North America. That's a long time. So when we when God says you have forsaken me, this is not new. This is not Johnny come lately. It's not God having a fit. God has been utterly patient. Yeah, long suffering. To to use a bad nineties phrase, right? He has been uber patient. Uber patient. Nice. Remember everything had to be Uber because yep. for some reason we were into German stuff for some reason. I don't oh, sure. know why. Yep. So they have forsaken me, have made this an alien place and have burned sacrifices in it to other gods. By the way. When we talk about burning sacrifices in the Valley of Ben-Hinnom to other gods, we are not talking about gold. We're not talking about altars. We are not talking about goats. We are not talking about cows. We are talking about children. Right. Children. Child sacrifice. Children. Children. I mean, I'm going to keep hammering this idea. You know, those, those, those little critters that are supposed to be a blessing from God, that are supposed to be arrows in the quiver of the righteous man, yeah. that are supposed to be the, the things that you train up as the next generation, how you rear them in the Lord so that they will honor you as they follow after God, following your commands. I mean, they're taking them to the valley and be like, hey, you know, last year's barley harvest wasn't that great. Yeah. It's probably because we sacrificed the little one. Let's give them the important one this year and see if that helps with the barley harvest. You yeah. think I'm kidding? No, it, they it, were. Yeah, I mean, some of the archaeology uh, that we have unearthed, they they have unearthed hundreds of these sacrifices in certain areas. It's it's I mean, mind blowing. Imagine like your neighbors looking at you going, "You know, the reason why the wheat harvest failed is because we all sacrificed our kids and you didn't. So you got to you got to fork over two this year." Imagine. Could you? I mean, I, I get, that conversation was had. I guarantee it's your fault. Mm-hmm. If only. I mean, this is where the peer pressure of Israel is, is now gotten to. This is where we are no longer a community influenced for righteousness, but we are a community influenced for, again, the locusts right. for good have become the locusts for evil. It's it's strange. They they never finished uh, dispossessing the, the inhabitants of nope. the land, and instead they started to behave like the yep. inhabitants of the land. The very thing that God warned them, if mm-hmm. you do this, you will be vomited out just like they are being vomited out from the land. So they are so. burning sacrifices to other gods that neither they nor their forefathers nor the kings of Judah had ever known. And because they have filled this place with the blood of the innocent and have built the high places to Baal to burn their sons in the fire as burnt offerings to Baal, a thing which I never commanded or spoke of, nor did it ever enter my mind. Now we're going to pause there because 
And you can read the rest of it. By the way, I encourage you to read the rest of it. The rest of it is Jeremiah basically telling them the judgment of God is coming upon you. And then he smashes the jar as a reminder of when God says judgment is coming upon you, this is what it looks like. Nice, pretty earthen jar, thousands of pieces. Yeah. You're not putting that back together. Right. You may have you may be able to reform something later. You melt it down or something like that, but you're not putting it back together. It's never going to be the same. It, it, yeah, it is never going to be the same ever again. Right. That is what is coming. Now, the reason why I want this section is what we're dealing in here. And, and when you look at the world, when you have a world that is secular in its nature. Mm-hmm. Okay, so let's we're, gonna, we're not using big words, but we're going to make sure we define everything as we go. Saying the world is secular is the polite way of saying that it is pagan. Yeah. Agreed? I agree. All right. So it is written, so it shall be done. Okay. So so stipulated. So when you have a pagan culture, it's not just that it is incapable of following the things of God. It is not that it is, to, to use another made-up word, it is not efforting to succeed and falling short. It is not striving for goodness and coming up empty. It is not attempting to follow after the things of God and just unable to get there. Like, we're trying our best here, guys. You know, the Mormon theology, you know, you, you do your best and Jesus does the rest. Oh, interesting, yeah. <laughs> That's not what's going on in a pagan culture. A pagan culture looks at the things of the world and says, how can we destroy this further? How? And if you would like proof of this, you ready? Crack a history book. And I'm serious about that. This is one of the reasons why I'm not an evolutionist and why I don't believe in, ev- in evolutionary thought and why I'm not a progressive and I don't believe in the progressive thought of humanity. So let's do a short little history tour. You ready? Yep. This, this, is, this, will, this will be important, I promise. Go back to the birth of human civilization. So you're talking about 4,000, 4, 3,000 BC, somewhere in that ballpark. When you get talking about the beginnings of written history, which the reason it's the beginning of written history is because it's the beginning of human history, but I'm not, I'm not going to go there. <laughs> when you go to that place, you see the birth of civilization. Sumer, the Akkadians, all of these little civilizations popping up. You have the Egyptians popping up about the same time. You have cities, urban areas of 50 75, up to 100,000 people in these urban centers. I was reading something today where one of the Sumerian cities was, um, I think it was, they said four square miles with a population of 80,000 people. Oh, wow. That's dense. Yeah. That is population density on par with anything you would see in a modern city. Right. Why don't they last? Because the neighboring city looks at them and says, hey, we want their stuff. And we can't come up with a way to cooperate. So what do we do? take it we yeah. take it yeah. and we kill you and we burn your stuff and then we rebuild the way we like it and that has been true of every society mm-hmm. so the Akkadian Empire gives way to Egypt which gives way to the Assyrians and I know I'm skipping some steps here but that then gives way to the um, the Babylonians which gives way to the Mede Persian Medo-Persian alliance which gives way to the Greeks which gives way to the Romans which on one end gives way to the Huns and later to the Chinese and before that begins giving way to the Vandals and this is human history and then you start to see European empires and you see Russian empires and you s- this is human history we see stuff we like over there we take it we take it right why because the pagans with their worldview, 
can't have nice things. They can't. Yeah, they don't understand. Do not cover your neighbors. Progr- anything. Progress is an accident. Yeah. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm serious about that. It, it Progress is a product of a society being sufficiently powerful that you don't have to worry about your neighbors taking your stuff. So you get to actually build and develop technologies and function in such a way that you then are able to progress technologically and intellectually until the next society comes along and takes things away from you and corrupts and destroys. That's all there is to it. I mean, for all her corruption, there were things that Rome did that people didn't rediscover how to do for like a thousand years. Why? Because when you have the um, – oh, it's um, – Yeah, they were amazing at well, building things. Which, and... which Mongol group was it? My brain doesn't want to function. Um, the Khan? No, the Khans are later. It's the Huns first. The Huns. It's Attila and his crowd. The Huns are coming in in the 5th century. Mm-hmm. You have the Vandals and the Visigoths and the Ostrogoths and the Gauls. They're coming in and they're borrowing from the culture, but while they're borrowing from it, they're also destroying it because they're incapable of building anything because it's a pagan worldview. And Rome was primarily a pagan worldview at that point. Mm-hmm. Its Christian window was about, you know, yay long, which is not much. So the reason why this becomes important is if you go back to that section in Jeremiah 19, I didn't tell you to do this. You didn't know about this. And this didn't even cross my mind as something to command you because it is so ridiculous and so vile that you should have known that this is bad. Mm-hmm. And yet, what did you do? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, we've talked about this with the law before. Every human society in history knows what? That, you know, it's a good idea if the society as a whole doesn't have people killing each other doesn't have people stealing from each other, doesn't have people lying to each other, and doesn't have people bearing false testimony in court, and doesn't have people randomly sleeping with other people's wives. Like, we've mo- human society instinctively knows this. Right. And yet human society at the same time is like, hey, you know what? It, maybe if we offer some kids to the gods, the barley harvest will be better and we'll have bread next year. Isn't that something? I mean, who even... Because it never entered God's mind because right. it's so insane... It is so anti the the simplicity of humanity and the knowledge of the divine that even pagans have that you should instinctively recoil in horror at this. And yet, what does human society do? Now, I tell you all of that because that helps to understand what's coming next, okay? Right. You... Me and most of the people listening to us, I mean, unless you live in some weird third world pagan country, which, you know, I'm not going to discount that that's a possibility, but, you know, odds are, you know, if you got an iPhone and you're downloading this, you probably live in a, in, in a somewhat advanced technological Western style world. Make sense? You don't know a world with that level of paganness. Is it paganness? Paganicity? What would be the, <laughs> what would cool. be the adjective yeah. there? Paganosity, I mean, we need a word for this. If you have a suggestion, send it to us. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I think that paganicity, that was a good one. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, yeah. that. That's now a word, paganicity. It might yeah. be the title of this episode. <laughs> paganicity. Uh-huh. <laughs> Sorry. What we have lived in in Western culture is the better part of, let's see, what year is it? 1,200 years of a vestige or a shadow of Christianity. So the birth of Christendom is around 800 with the crowning of Charlemagne. And despite the idolatry, despite the evils and the corruptions of the clergy throughout the high Middle Ages and even into the post-Reformation world, there are vestiges and influence of Christian thinking in the society. Mm -hmm. So pretty much every Western-based society 
would be based on a Christian ideal or a Christian understanding of how society should build and function, which means you have had a veneer of Christianity and you've had an undergirding of Christianity, even if you have not had overt practiced Christianity. Does that make sense? Sure. Okay. Sure. sure. The computer's doing weird things. Hold on. Okay, as that's going away, and it is rapidly going away because Western society, you saw this in Europe beginning about 200-ish years ago. You saw the Enlightenment ideals taken to their foreign conclusion. You have seen this with the rise of liberal Christianity, the denials of Christ, the denials of divinity, the denials of atonement, things like that. Basically, the denials of the transcendent. The rise of materialism leading to the rise of things like Marxism and all sorts of manner of philosophy, the rise of um, secular humanism, the rise of secular psychology, things like that, have slowly pulled that veneer of Christianity away and stripped it away. And where it began about 200 years ago in Europe, it began in earnest in the United States about 150, 175 years ago, give or take. Where we stand now with the advent of technology, with the increased ability to communicate, is the process of that stripping away of the veneer is accelerating to the point that they think they're actually doing a good thing. They're removing the spiritism and the mysticism from the world, and we're grounding it in what? In materialism. Hmm. We are the masters of our ship. We are the captains of our lives. Once again, though, the minute you move to a secular slash, well, not slash, a secular, which is pagan philosophy as your undergirding worldview, mm-hmm. what will you then stop at? Absolutely nothing. Where will the line be drawn? Uh, yeah, right, right. There's just no bounds to the depravity. Of- Nor did it enter my mind. Right. That is, what, what has not entered God's mind as a sin you will commit is Tuesday for you. And that Tuesday will eventually lead to judgment. Now, I tell you that because this is how you guard your heart against looking at the things of the world and going, oh, my goodness, what are you people doing? Right. Like, how did this happen? Well, because you have to understand where we are and, more importantly, how we got there. So with that said, I know that was a little longer than we normally go and a little bit more historical and no, sociological, good. Good. but I, I wanted to make sure that we understand. By the way, if you ever have someone to go, I don't like history. That's because it's not being taught with an understanding that it actually accomplishes things and explains things. Right. So get a history book, read it every once in a while, do you good, find a history podcast, sift through the garbage of the communism, and and you'll go from there. Because every university professor at this point falls under that category. But (laughs) It's pretty bad. It is what it is. So now that we've insulted all university professors. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. If I'm not talking about you, then I'm not talking about you. All right. Inhale. All right. You ready? All right. Corey Briskin and Nicholas Magipinto. Magipinto? Magipinto? It's, I don't know. It's an Italian name. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Met in law school in 2011, were engaged by 2014, and had their 2016 wedding announced in the New York Times. Um, no, one of them is not a tomboy. That is Corey and Nick. Okay? Corey and Nick. Corey and, it sounds like an MTV like show. Like Adam and it? Steve? Yeah. Doesn't that sound like an MTV show? Yeah. Corey and Nick. It's catchy. Doesn't it, though? Yeah. They moved to a waterfront apartment block in Williamsburg, Brooklyn, with a bright playroom for families on the ground floor, in which I, everybody went, aww. Aww. <laughs> right, I like how they build that into the... We got married, and then we wanted all the trappings. House, children, 401k, etc. Magipinto, 37, tells me in their building shared meeting room, tapping the table in sequence with the progression of each idea. 
Six months before their wedding, a targeted ad from an organization called Gay Parents to be landed in Majapinto's Instagram feed. Offering free consultations with a fertility doctor who'd give them the whole rundown on how they could start a family. I am made of questions at this point. Unless that fertility doctor is like magic, that's not going to work at all. Right. This reminds me of that movie, Mr. What's it? What with um, Arnold oh, Schwarzenegger oh, and Danny DeVito. Uh, Junior, wasn't it? Was that Junior? Yeah, it might have been. Because they did twins. They had to have a baby. Yeah, and Arnold Schwarzenegger's carrying the kid. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd forgotten about that movie. Yeah, that was Arnold Schwarzenegger's Danny DeVito phase, I think. Yeah. Wasn't that called Junior? I swear that was called Junior. You might be right. Yeah, okay. Of all the... <laughs> For once, it wasn't me. I know it was me. It was, I'm sorry. <laughs> wasn't me. So, I, the whole rundown on how they could start a family. We had the appointment, and we were 100% on the same page. Let's move forward with this, says Majapinto. All right. Move forward with what? He's committed. He should be committed. <laughs> <laughs> right here's two dudes married which i still can't get over as a sentence that i that i can say that out loud and it actually makes sense in this world but anyway going to a fertility doctor who's explaining how they can have a child seriously un- yep. unless you're a fairy godmother which well, is probably a, a drag queen's name somewhere there's a huge catch coming so yeah yeah that's when they first became aware of the eye-watering cost of biological parenthood for gay men it's not an eye-watering cost. It is a logical, physical impossibility. Right. I'm just going to keep stressing this because this is so dumb. But, yeah, I feel like I'm going to turn it. But I'm going to be Billy Mays. But wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> Magipinto reels off the price list in a way that only someone who has poured over every item could. There's compensation for the egg donor, no less than $8,000. The egg donor agency fee, eight to $10,000. The fertility clinic's bill, including genetic testing, blood tests, STD screening, and a psychiatric evaluation for all parties. They all fail. They should have started with that. <laughs> I could have saved you a lot of money. Just start there, and then we're done. Okay. Sperm testing, egg extraction, insemination, the growing, selecting, freezing, and implantation of the resulting embryos, up to $70,000. And that's if it all goes well if no embryos are created during a cycle or if the embryos that are don't lead to a successful pregnancy they would have to start again mm. wah, wah, wah. the money train keeps on rolling so if you're ever wondering what surrogacy looks like and what it what it is there you go that should be a helpful rundown mm-hmm. they couldn't afford it poor babies yeah Magipinto earns a corporate lawyer salary but is saddled with student debt yeah, I feel I, I really feel for him, right? Briskin used to work for the city of New York as an assistant district attorney, earning about seventy five thousand dollars a year. He's the low earner in the in the in, in the in the marriage at seventy five a year. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel for these people. Let me, mm. let me tell you, his employment benefits had included generous health insurance, but when they read the policy, they discovered they were the only class of people to be excluded from IV, IVF coverage in vitro fertilization. For those of you that don't know, infertility was defined as an inability to have a child through heterosexual intercourse or intrauterine insemination. There's a reason why infertility is defined that way because that's, that's what biologically infer- infertility yeah. actually is. The, the infertility isn't a magical catch-all for we don't have a uterus. People have lost their minds. Why didn't one of them just identify as having a uterus and then they could have gotten the coverage? There you go. See? (laughs) 
Lou was like, don't give them any ideas. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, the idea behind this is even better. That meant straight people and lesbians <laughs> working for the city of New York would have the cost of IVF covered, but gay male couples could never be eligible. Okay. You ready for me to be a bad person? Yeah. Oh, please. Straight people and lesbians shouldn't be covered by this either. Taxpayer dollars should not cover health insurance to, air quotes, fix your broken fertility. And I don't know why it's broken. You could have been born that way. You could have done something to yourself. I have no idea, and I don't care. Mm-hmm. That's not what health insurance is supposed to be, and that's not what medical coverage is supposed to be about. Am I alone here that we're going to fork over a hundred grand for you to have kids? Uh, man, no. I, I, <laughs> Cameron's like, nope. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no one asked you, woman. <laughs> well, get back in the kitchen. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. She heard that. Oh, you got the look. <laughs> yeah, that's my life. You didn't goal. even get to see it. It's my life's goal is to get the look. You know that. Yeah. But I mean, that shouldn't even be covered in health insurance. Much less the argument being made. Well, we're we're a gay couple, and we should have that too. Well, no one. There should be no two, and, and two there should be no anything. That shouldn't exist as a medical coverage. That's not what medical coverage is for. If you want to pay for that, God bless you. If you want to find an organization to help you pay for that, God bless you. Taxpayer-funded health coverage should be like when you fall and break your arm or when you catch pneumonia. You, you, you know, actual medical things, not I want children. Mm-hmm. I get that. I want a million dollars. Does, does that mean I get to go just take that from the taxpayers? Uh, the lottery, yeah. <laughs> is that how that works? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, well, yeah, I'm kind of – I mean, you understand. I, I mean, I, I have benefits, and some of the benefits that I have, they cover certain things, and they don't cover other things, and it's been a battle. And there's no rhyme or reason, even when it's something that gets covered in your insurance. Sometimes they decide they don't want to pay for it. So my point would be, I think coverage would make more sense if it wasn't covering things like this that should obviously not be covered. Right, right. I get it. This isn't a medical thing. This is a want thing. Once well, again, an understanding of the sovereignty of God. Not everyone's going to have kids. I see where you're coming from now. Not everybody is – children are not a right. They're a blessing from the Lord. Right. And Paul will tell you that singleness is a blessing from the Lord as well, which means your condition in the world before God is the work of God so that you will be blessed to the work and service of his kingdom. For you to then demand that some system of government – I almost said something offensive and I'm stopping myself – be operable – with all of the moral trappings and questions that it then raises mm-hmm. and should be paid for by the public at large. See, that's that's not even something that this article even cares about or even worries with. Mm-hmm. That's something I'm pointing out. When we talk about where we are at the bottom of the slippery slope, realize where the slippery slope begins and that its core is a rejection of a world run and operated under the guidance of God. Right. That's where the beginning of the pagan mindset starts. Where does it get to? It gets to things like the very next sentence, which you're just going to love. This isn't an oversight, Briskin says. It's discrimination. Yeah, yeah, that was was a catchy line for me too. (laughs) The policy is the product of a time when there was a misconception, a stereotype, a prejudice against couples that were made up of two men. It's not a misconception, stereotype, or prejudice. You don't have the proper plumbing for this. Right. You're not infertile. You're incapable. There's, barring the infertility arguments, 
There's the, like the reality <laughs> at some point. Like reality is undefeated, isn't it? Like nobody's ever defeated reality in anything. No. We're trying though, aren't we? Yeah. They're, well, yeah. They're trying to redefine your vocabulary. They're trying to redefine what a man and a woman is, and and now they're see. This is just the beginnings. Yeah. Oh, wait, wait, wait. This gets better. Yeah, yeah. A prejudice against couples that were made up of two men that they were not capable of raising children because there was no female figure in that relationship. They are because they can't create the children. Right. See, see, see how this goes? It's logic. And, and realize that if you're raising somebody else's children, something's going wrong. Right? I mean, right. something has gone wrong. Right. So it's, I'm not saying you've done something wrong. I'm not saying the parents did something wrong. I'm not saying the kids did something wrong. I'm just saying something has gone wrong. Maybe the parents have gone to jail and they did do something wrong and the state has taken those children. Maybe they were sideswiped by a bus sitting in traffic and they didn't do anything. And and that was the lot in life that God has handed down. Mm-hmm. Something, though, from the norm of how it should be apart from sinful inter- interference has gone wrong. Right. So if you're two men incapable of having children and you are now raising children, something has gone terribly wrong yeah society is uh, well in this case society has gone wrong mess so of course there's a stereotype that you can't do this because you shouldn't be doing this and we are acknowledging that if you are doing this regardless of your moral qualifications on that and i have plenty something has gone absolutely positively terribly wrong yeah okay right in april briskin and majapinto filed a class action complaint with the u.s equal employment opportunity commission yuck yeah. I like how it puts in parentheses the EEOC. Yeah. Like like anybody's going to walk around going the EEOC and everybody yeah, goes, oh, t- yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Exactly I, I, know what yeah, I got that one. Yeah. Against the city of New York, suing Briskin's former employers for unlawful workplace discrimination. I like he doesn't even work there anymore, but he's like, wait a minute, I can get this paid for. Yeah. If they win, employers and health insurers across the U.S. will be under pressure to change their policies to give gay men the same access to fertility benefits as anyone else. But their case has become much bigger than one couple's drive to start a family. They have become figureheads in the battle for fertility rights for all gay men. Oh, my god! Now, let's stop for a second because we're going to pause here because that's where that article basically ends for us. All right. I mean, when did that article come out? I can't remember. It's not long ago. It's like within the last couple of months. Right. When we say, nor did it enter my mind, I want you to follow some conclusions here for me, okay? Yeah, beginning of October it came out. Yeah, it wasn't that. I knew it wasn't that long ago. This was a fresh one. This one got moved to the front of the line. Right. This was straight to the front of the line. So, like, I mean, this was that important. Okay. Right. Now I get the choice of scripture. It makes sense now, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. When we talk about the pagans destroying everything, here's what this looks like. Because I would like you for a minute to put on your logic hat. Because I understand not everybody thinks with a worldview in mind. Therefore, not everybody thinks about what the next step is going to be. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, that I concede all of the points that they have made. I'm not. But let's just, for the sake of argument, say that I would concede everything. And say, you know what? If straight couples have it and lesbian couples have it, then gay couples should have it too. Okay? Just We're just going to assume that's a legitimate argument. I know there are 27 potholes that we're avoiding to do that, but let's just assume that's a legitimate argument. To say that a gay couple has rights to fertility, rights to fertility, what does that mean? Yeah, I'm still pondering that question. Because I've got a really dangerous place that this is going to go to. Right. Right. It, it, this is this is just a, a, a an ends to a means or means to an end. Thank you. 
<laughs> reverse that one. I don't six of one half that is the other in this but, case. Yeah, th- this is this is part of the agenda. They're 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 systematically but realize what redefining this... our society, and they're doing it in their image. But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that Briskin and Magipinto win this case, and it is now defined that they have rights to fertility, so they can now go to the city of New York, and everything is paid for. When we say they have a right to fertility, what we're saying is they have a right to create a child in this IVF manner, regardless of your feelings on that. They have the right to this. What does that require? A surrogate mother. All right. It requires somebody's eggs and a surrogate. Mm -hmm. You'd like to think that's the same person, but... Yeah. But what if nobody wants to? Right. And they have a right to this. Are they going to now appoint people uh, outside of their desire to do this? Or, I mean, how does it... Yeah, how does that That doesn't even make sense. See, my rights... This is one of those... People used to talk about, like, what was vulgarity and what was indecency and things like that. And one of the standard arguments was your freedom ends at the at my nose. So you are free to walk down the street swinging your arms wildly like a lunatic. You are not free to do so if you start smacking people in the face while you're doing that action. Right, right. So your rights end where my rights begin. Right. Realize that the concept of rights that are built into your constitution in this country— Come from what assumption? Well, they're the the rights given to you by your creator. Yes, you are endowed by your creator. Mm -hmm. Meaning, again, there is a Christian foundation. Try to establish rights without the objective authority of a creator, ruler, sovereign king. Right. And then tell me what your rights actually are and how they make sense in the world. The reason I point this out is because you want to know the 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 great joke of life is that there's a that we're always blamed Christians are always we're going to bring in the handmaid's tale, right? Okay. With forced pregnancy and women are going to lose agency and all of that. Yeah. What's this lawsuit steering towards? Yeah. They're bringing in a Handmaid's Tale. That's the the Hulu show or the forced No, I saw the whole series. My wife and I watched oh, it. Oh, did it you? Was You're really, braver than I am. It was really sad. They're going to bring this in because what what standard do they have to uphold? Well, they have none. The ones that they define, and that's my point. Yeah. So you're sitting there going, "Man, I would never even imagine this would be a conversation." Like, how many times have you said that in the last decade? Like, I never thought we'd be debating this. Right. That's what we mean when we say, "Never did it enter my mind." Israel should have been sitting in the land, going, "What do you mean we're sacrificing children in the Valley of Ben Hinnom?" Like, how far down the slope of idolatry would Israel have had to go? To get to the place that they are sacrificing their children in the Valley of Ben Hinnom. Oh my goodness, they were worse than the pagan people that but, were doing it. That what I'm getting at is from. Yeah. when you enter into the land with the law that Moses has brought down from on high, and you have the establishment of the tabernacle, and you have the priests, and you have the rule of Joshua, and you have all of this established, how far do you have to go down the forsaken trail before you get to the place where you're like, hey, let's go light some kids on fire up at the ridge over there and see if something good happens with the barley harvest next year? I mean, you didn't just like wake up on a Tuesday and be like, hey, you know what would be a good idea? Let's go sacrifice little, little Joey over there and see what happens. You make it sound like it's just crazy or something it is crazy jeremiah 19 makes it sound like it's crazy because it's crazy but my point is once you establish paganism as the foundation it's easy to start skipping the steps this is um oh i can never remember who made the phrase but it's the old idea of slouching towards gomorrah like sodom and gomorrah didn't just wake up one morning like sodom and gomorrah weren't one day paragons of virtue and light and then the next day like roving bands of homosexual rapists 
Like, that didn't happen between Tuesday and Thursday. That happened over the course of years. Yeah. And the, the slow depravity eating away at the heart and mind because it has already devoured the soul. And that's what a society devoid of godliness looks like. Yeah. You get to this because nobody's ever bothered to ask, well, why are you exempt from all the jokes we're making? Well, this is discrimination because they think we're incapable. There's a reason they think that. But that's a view of reality based upon an understanding that God has created you and God has made you, an understanding of what children are and where they come from and the purpose that they serve in the world, the understanding of who you are and what you're supposed to be about in this world. A rejection of all of that must start, and then it leads you down the twisted road where you start making decision after decision after decision. Our formula that we always talk about, I talk about it in Sunday school, we talk about it here, talk about it on Sunday morning. What Christ does for you, is a change of heart that leads to a change of desires and motivations in the world. That leads to a change of mindset in what you think about in the world because what you des- what you think about is now in line with what you desire and what you wish to accomplish. That change of mind then leads to a change of action. Now, rewind that and look at it from the other perspective. That dead stone heart, not seeking after godliness but seeking after pagan destruction, leads you to think about self-serving idolatry and the pagan ideals that will lead you to it, which then that corrupted mind leads you to outward actions. Yeah. So yeah. every time we see one of these, it's like, well, how did they come up with that? Ooh, 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 ask me, ask me, I know, mm-hmm. because they were foolish in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They're slaves to sin. Yeah, so they, they have a depraved incapable mind. Of, of serving God in yes. that condition. They need, they need to be renewed. And this is, again, why I say evaluate everything moving back to the beginning because you're looking at the world so often going, yeah, because you can't make sense of it. You're somewhere between Yosemite Sam and Taz trying to form Mm. a sentence, and you can't do it because you're looking at the insanity of the world and going, I'm always looking at you going, stop the world. I want to get off. Yeah, I doubt whether Adam and Eve, after they fell, could fathom a world today and the sin that they could based off of that. Did God really say that you you can't even touch it or even look at it? Or? They would have no concept. They had no. It never entered their mind either. Just because it in never their because even in their sin, mm-hmm. they understood that there was a standard. Right. There they was understood. A shame. Yes. Yeah. Now, fast forward in your Bible, and what do you start to see? The difference between the line of Seth and the line that comes from Cain mm-hmm. and the ones that are not following after God. The lack of a standard. The lack of an accountability. Even though they know they they will be held accountable, they don't fear it because they are consumed with what sin and their lusts and their idolatry the world produces what it produces because it is constantly trying to feed an idol and what will an idol always do break the heart of its worshipers therefore as they seek to serve that idol Mm -hmm. they will redefine look just look at this article they will redefine marriage they will then redefine parenthood they will redefine what it means to be a parent where that should come from, and how it should come about. Therefore, they will then redefine their rights to parenthood based upon what? Their sinful, selfish, idolatrous definitions of who they are and what the world is meant to do. Mm. See, you're discriminating against me. You are preventing me from having the good things that I am owed in this world. Au contraire, mon frère. Mm. You are not owed good things in this world. You are owed service to God. Mm. I went from a little French to a little Spanish there. Sorry, don't ask me what happened. This is the differentiation. In other words, Christian, you're surprised 
because you are constantly failing to see where their starting point is. Do not see them as basically good. They are not. See yeah. them for what they are, depraved of heart and mind in need of a change that can only be wrought by the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You do not see where the evil will go because you wish to assume at some point someone will stand up and say, guys, this is wrong. what are we yeah. doing here? Yeah. Always remember, let's go back to Sodom and Gomorrah. Mm -hmm. After being struck blind by the angels, what did the men of the city do? They went, man, this stinks, our bad. We will try this again tomorrow. Let's figure out how to get home. They wearied themselves trying to get to the door. Yeah, they groped in the dark. Yeah, they were still trying to do what they came to yeah. do. Yeah. There's no brake pedal. There's no stopping point. There's no there there because the foundation is rotted. Right, yeah. That's... The core is rotted. Therefore, the fruit is rotted. So you're looking at this going, what are these people going to come up with next? Buckle up, buttercup. It's, it's coming, it's, yeah. It's, it's going to be horrid. Mm-hmm. Where's the battle now? Knowing that, knowing who you are in Christ and how you got there because of his gracious work and the redeeming power of the Holy Spirit, recognize that the battle is not on the ground. The battle is not this lawsuit. The battle is for the heart, mind, and soul of this people, yeah. which means the proclamation is not, no, you don't have a right to children. No, you don't have a right to this. No, this shouldn't be done. All those things may be valid points, but they're not the argument. The argument is you must repent. And recognize that you do not serve yourself, but you are meant to serve a living, holy, righteous God. And if you refuse him this day, the earthenware jar will be shattered. Mm. Judgment will come because you have been depraved of heart and mind to the end. That's where the battle is. This is why, again, returning to the gospel and knowing who you are and how that influences the world is so important. Because you have to see where this is going and why it's going there because of who they are. Now, what changes that? Christ. Uh, only Christ, yeah. Just only Christ. Some... Now, did we miss anything? No. No, I don't think we missed anything. It's We got a new word at least. Yeah. <laughs> Paganicity. Paganicity. So what have we learned here today, children? Sin has no brake pedal. It has no brake pedal. Yeah. We must define life rightly. And we cannot be shocked at sin's effects. It will corrupt, it will destroy, and it will tear down everything. So, believe it or not, I'm sitting on a couple of good things, and we're going to take a break from the world. Okay. I actually have a couple of things that I'll have to send to you in the next couple of weeks, hopefully, that are a lot more theologically argument-based. Right. So less interacting with the world and a little bit more theo-nerd type of things to think some stuff through. Excellent. It'll be fun. Uh, hopefully you'll think it's fun and enjoyable. Until we meet again, read your Bible. It'll do you good. Bye. Bye.